Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit, fan-made project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you would like to know more, please check out the main podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main podcast. Thank you for your time and please enjoy the following episode. Welcome to Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol fan server production. My name is DJ and I will be your host for tonight. Joining me on our journey into the unknown are Darby as Lucy Mercury, Rich as Toby Bork, Six as Garrett Hardy. Tonight's episode, Lost Sheep, Part 2. Lost Sheep contains violence, startling discoveries, cruel war games, and a brush with death too soon. Consider this your warning. Previously on Lost Sheep, the Cold Heart Cell leave the hospital in search of the survivors of the plane crash. On their ride towards their GPS coordinates, they are ambushed by a mercenary scouting party, who they engage in a brief firefight before rapidly leaving the scene. The trio soon come across an apartment complex in which they find the two Orpheus agents who survived the plane crash, Elias Munusos and Axel Anderberg. So where we last left off with the Americans, you guys had just gotten into the hospital and pretty much just sort of like hunkered down waiting for the your European counterparts to arrive. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's been maybe about half an hour, 45 minutes. You see Christoph answer a radio call. He gets up, leaves the shelter. And a couple of minutes later, he returns with your European counterparts, along with some other Russian personnel who immediately spread out, start making sure all of the survivors are okay. Some of them you can see with bands on their arms with a red cross around them. They make their way towards the treatment area, and they quickly familiarize themselves with the area, start treating casualties, all of that good stuff. As... Kristoff comes back, you can see that he has a lady in tow with him. She looks about maybe early to mid-30s. Neck length, brown hair, brown eyes, kind of average looking. Kristoff gestures to the woman and says, Well, looks like we've got another plus one coming with us to the crash site. This is Agent Krasinski, was it? The lady nods and she says, uh, yeah, Carla Krasinski, NTSB. And she extends her hand for the uh, three of you to shake. Well, Garrett will definitely give it a hearty shake. And... Lucy goes for very brisk, very professional. It is neither of those things. Just a little bit too enthusiastic. I feel like with it only having been um, maybe 30 minutes, maybe a little bit longer, even with downtime, um, I don't think Toby would have um, reverted uh, his partial transformation since we're in an active combat zone. Um, so he reaches in with a meaty, meaty paw of a hand to shake uh, before realizing that that might freak her out and then it becomes awkward. She doesn't appear to display any outward signs of being creeped out by the way you look, Toby, and she shakes your hand regardless. And she says, 
GP decided to have me stick with you guys since the um, the group of you are moving to the crash site early. And, uh, you know, I'm in TSB. I was in the area. He decided that he needed some help investigating plane crash and called me. Good call, I assume. Yeah, very good call. I was in the area for an unrelated incident, actually. I was about to hit home <laughs> when the uh, the call came through. What do you do again? I don't think I caught that. NTSB, National Transport Safety Bureau. I uh, I investigate plane crashes for a living. Exciting job. Sure, never see any weird shit. Mm, actually, I might be an Orpheus, but I actually haven't seen any weird shit regarding plane crashes. But I did read up a lot of the reports on all the planes that you've been on. Yeah, surprisingly few crashes, all things considered, given what I know of that. Well, yours, your case was kind of an outlier anyway. Yeah, but nothing terrible happened, and that's what's important, probably. Nothing significantly terrible. Yeah, a lot of minor terrible things happened, but that's Orpheus. At least the plane didn't crash, right? True. Yeah. Anyway, now that we're going on this investigation, I should point out beforehand... Some things that we might need to uh, take note of when we're approaching the crash site. As you all should know, jet fuel is very flammable, so try to avoid it as much as you can. Hmm. Uh, Especially since this was a high-speed crash that sort of spread wreckage throughout the whole mine area, you might want to watch out for sharp metal and pieces of wreckage that that you may or may not accidentally cut yourselves on. The two things that we need to look out for the most are, well, if you've seen shows about plane crashes before, we will need to look for the plane's black boxes. The flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder, these two things are integral to figuring out what exactly happened on the plane as it crashed. So we should find those two things as fast as we can and then exfiltrate the crash site as fast as we can. Given, I'm assuming, that it might not be secure because of all the, well, zombies roaming around this city. Yeah, and second question. You, uh, you said that uh, a plane crashed in a mine area? Oh, yeah. Um, this city is an old Russian mining town, actually. There's an open-air diamond mine to the east of here. Yeah, That's- does that have any like tunnels that spread out underneath the plane that we have to worry about being horribly sucked into the earth? through uh, uh no 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 it's one of those big open air things so it's like a inverted cone ah oh okay so there's no like tunnels that that spread out from under that like some sort of hive thing no 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 it's it's it's, it's an inverted cone with like little ramp dirt ramps that spiral all the way downwards so it's a giant cone in the earth pretty much and the plane crashed on the northeastern side of this little divot in the earth all right i'm hoping nobody was working in the diamond mine at the time Oh, no, the mine's been closed for, well, as long as Wikipedia says, which is about 10 years. <laughs> okay, good. Good to hear. Christoph sort of nods with Carla's words and says, Yes, the mine used to be profitable, and then the company that ran it went bankrupt because uh, the amount of diamonds being pulled up did not match profit margins, so they closed the mine. Town is still relatively, well, was relatively normal and busy but now that all of this has happened fairly certain life will not be returning to normal immunity anytime soon so pretty much if there's anything you would like to do before you head out you can let me know i know we just said we have to watch our fire but one of the first thing garrett's is going to do just because so far it's been a tried and true method of staying alive i'm gonna try and bum a grenade off another russian soldier well i'd like you to roll me a persuasion check with charisma please 
Okay. Unfortunately, I don't actually have persuasion for whatever reason, but I do have three charisma, and I rolled plus three. I'm willing to spend all mental strain, so that's seven. So with a seven, you spend a bit of time bumming around the shelter as your reinforcements arrive and get settled. Uh, You can actually see JP enter the ward area. He actually takes one of the European guys over to one side to talk with him for a brief moment and then grabs a stethoscope, his uh, a set of like medical tools and gets to work treating patients. You kind of look around, try and find someone that you can maybe bum explosives off of and you stumble across a pair of soldiers that are lugging a crate into the ward area. It appears that they are going to be restocking or resupplying the surviving soldiers that were already in the hospital when you got here. And the two of them sort of affix you with a look that says, what are you, what are you doing as you approach them? Garrett is going to try to get across what he wants. He does not speak Russian. Thankfully, you miming the clicker of a bundle of C4 kind of brings to mind the same sort of thing that they work with. One of them kind of like rubs his chin, has that like aha moment where the light bulb dings in his head. <laughs> Making an explosion with my hands. Opens the crate, kind of rummages around a bit, fiddles with some wires, does a few things, and he hands you a small palm-sized block of C4 along with a remote detonator. Oh, baby. He doesn't speak English, but he sort of gestures to you like to look on the little packet of um, explosive silly putty where there is a little switch that you need to click on before it is armed. And then he points to the detonator and then he makes that the, the clacking motion and it makes it twice. Got it. Is there anything else you would like to do, uh, Lucy and Toby? I think Lucy for once is actually just cooperating. She ran her little experiment at the end of last session, and she's happy. I think Toby is fine as well with uh, with his current loadout, uh, having seen what um, the group is up against currently, and uh, having an open area, um, like an open air mine, um, lends itself to uh, his style of combat much better than uh, hallways and stairwells for the most part. So without further delay, the five of you, along with two other Russian soldiers as an escorts, of course, make your way back down the same barricade. Now that this whole floor is pretty much secure, you have your reinforcements. There are more Russian soldiers here keeping watch and basically clearing out the other wards of any corpses or undead they find. You can see that some of the soldiers are dismantling some of the barricades that were originally erected at the entrance of this shelter and instead are now compensating for the lack of barricades with more manpower, more, more, more men with guns. You make your way back to the same staircase that you had originally came in from. And at that point in time, the barricades on the staircase are also gone. You kind of surmise that maybe they need this route free for evacuation efforts or something. But hey, it's nice to not have to jump over the gap anymore as you make your way downstairs into the main lobby and you are now out in the Russian streets. 
Christoph pulls a map from his vest, consults it for a bit, looks around for other landmarks, you assume, looks at his map again and says, okay, we should head due east of here, which means that way. And he points down another main street. It should take us about maybe 15, 20 minutes walking, but we should get there within the hour. Granted, if nothing happens. Sounds good, boss. Lead the way. I'd like all of you to roll an awareness check with perception, please. I got a zero. I'm gonna re-roll. I'm not bothering. That's a plus one. So, three. I have a four. As the group of you make your way down the street, it is awfully quiet, save for the sounds of fires burning in the streets and buildings around you, the crunch of broken glass and plastic underneath your boots, and the occasional groans of undead echoing in from alleyways and other streets around you as you move. Toby, your ear pricks up as you hear the sounds of groaning approach. And looking down a side street, you see a small group of zombies that have either scented you or seen your approach or heard you, and they are slowly shambling towards you. You are on one side of the street, they are on the other side, and it will take them a, a, a round's worth of initiative to get to you. So uh, I'd like everyone to roll for initiative, please. It's a wash on the die. Got a nine. I have an eight with uh, field experience, negating the negatives. The answer's going to be five. So how many are there? Not too many. It's about six. Oh, okay. Well, and this is perfectly reasonable. So uh, who's first in uh, initiative order? You are. Oh, great. Lucy, what do they are ugly, scary zombies on the other side of the street. They pose no threat to you at this at this moment. What do? Lucy's going to casually reach out her hand, light up one of her tattoos, tear open the heavens, and pull down horrific cancerous light onto one of the random unlucky bastards. Baleful starlight it is. And that's a range attack, which is is that is hot garbage. I got a. Three. I'm going to use uh, Knowledge Eldritch stuff to make that a five. Oh, wait, sorry, that's willpower. That's willpower, sorry. Uh, never mind, I have a seven. Says four degrees of success. You tear a rent in the sky and melt a zombie. Beautiful. Five left. Toby, it's your turn. Toby is going to uh, aim at the the lead uh, zombie in the group for uh, for one tick to start. Okay, that puts you down to seven. So now, Toby and Lucy, you're going again. Cool. I'll do the same thing, which is... Uh, I'm going to take a plus one loop of rolling to get a six. All right. With the six, that is three degrees of success. Four oh, so seven total. Another zombie falls to the ground, sort of clawing at its face as it melts off its skull. And splat, down it goes. I also have to roll against a temporary insanity chance. Oh god, I have to roll against temporary insanity. Okay, I passed. Nice, nothing happens. Toby, your go. Toby is going to um, 
aim for another tick. All right, that puts you down to six. So now you are going at the same cell as Kristoff. What do you want to do? So at, at this point, uh, Toby is going to um, he's gonna he's gonna take a take his shot um, with his with his sidearm, which is a rate of fire three. That is a six. Yeah, so that's three degrees of success. Plus three more degrees because of field experience. So that is instead that is six degrees of success. And where it's rate of fire three, that means all all three hit, right? Yes. So you're six degrees of success. So you're doing ten two, four two. How what does it matter? Does you put two in the zombie's chest and one in its head and it falls over dead? <laughs> Christoph lifts his rifle and opens fire downing another zombie and so lucy garrett both of you are acting on the same cell again care to go first we'll try and be useful this fight (laughs) (laughs) well garrett will just level his revolver and take a shot and we're looking at you know looking at a seven before uh uh, before strain now seven should be all right okay four degrees of success on the four four weapon so that is eight four 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 you you do the you do the cowboy thing you quick draw blam another zombie falls over dead and back in the floor back in the holster with the flourish <laughs> lucy i think lucy's actually going to pull her revolver here because she's at really high enigma and she does not want to get close to another fail like she did last time felt the madness going into her brain a little bit so uh is it a one initiative to draw and then another two to fire Roll for a almost certain miss. Never mind, rolled three. Which is still probably a miss, but better than I expected. Okay, would you like to spend the strain to break the tie? God, I will. <laughs> All right, you hit. Incredible. For one degree of success. Hey, it hits hit. revolver is a 4-4, four, four, so that is a 5-4. The last of this motley group of would-be attackers falls to the ground with a hole in its head. Kristoff lowers his rifle and says, that We should hurry now. The sounds of the gunfire will no doubt have attracted more. You know, that's the first time I've ever actually hit the god- hit a goddamn thing with this gun. We gotta take you to the range sometime. Yeah, that might help. The group of you hasten your steps as you make your way towards the crash site. And soon... You emerge onto a street that goes from tarmac into dirt, and the cityscape sort of opens up. The buildings disappear as you come across this large, gaping hole in the earth. But it's pretty much like what Carla described. It is a quote-unquote inverted cone in the earth that is dug pretty deep with a lot of concentric rings that spiral downwards into the center of this cone. And at the bottom, you can kind of see reflection of the sun in the pool of water, some old abandoned equipment as little like gray smudges. It's pretty deep, this, uh, this particular mine. And the thing that arrests your vision immediately upon seeing this is the flaming, smoking wreckage scattered across one side of this hole in the earth. There's just fire, lots of plumes of black smoke, and pieces of things that you can recognize as plane debris. Like you can see a rudder, 
bits of wings, maybe half of an engine, part of the cockpit. Carla takes a look at this site and goes, well, that's a lot worse than I thought it would be. Hmm. We're going to have a hard time finding the data recorders in all of this, but I have high hopes, I think. Yeah, we're going to find new things. Yep. Kristoff nods to the four of you and says, once we get to the crash site, the four of you can get to work. Me and the other soldiers will set up a perimeter so you can work unopposed. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you kindly. He nods. As the group of you make your way to the crash site, you see Chris. Uh, you see, you hear Kristoff bark something at the soldiers in Russian. The four of them make a loose square with the plane crash in its center, and each of the soldiers is facing one direction. Now that you're this close, you can see that this crash site is a lot more complex than you originally thought because of the angle of the sides of this pit is so steep. Some of the wreckage has tumbled almost all the way down to the bottom of the mine. There is a lot of fuel soaking the dirt, some fires still burning in some pieces of wreckage, and there are just body parts and pieces of chair, furniture, bags, other things. And I'd like you to roll a horror check, please. Yay. I'm going to take a plus two in lieu of rolling and add temp strain. Make that neat. I am going to take a uh, a plus one in lieu of rolling, and uh, that's a four. I am going to do the re-roll, because not good enough. That's better. That would be a, a four, and I'm going to spend two strain to make that a six. All right. All of you pass, standing to lose four. Preventable. Can I spend two mental to sock that up? Same. I am also going to spend the two strain to uh, negate that damage. All right. Yeah, this seems pretty horrifying. Especially for Garrett and Toby, the both of you can smell the blood and death in the air, as well as copious amounts of jet fuel, burning plastic and fabric, molten metal. This place just smells awful. Carla Sighs sets down her pack on one side of a an open area next to the plane crash and says, well, we better get to work. Those data recorders won't find themselves. All right. The one question I have is, if I'm remembering correctly, this crash is what released the mini apocalypse, right? Yeah. How did the zombies survive this crash? They're very fragile. Well, I wouldn't know the specifics, but if I had to speculate, I'm willing to bet that maybe some of the corpses reanimated after the crash. Um, maybe I don't know. I I I'd have to. I'm I'm. I mean, I'm not a virologist. The virologist is back at the hospital doing his thing. I don't know if virology really applies to this particular case, but well, it must have come from somewhere, right? Yeah, true enough. I'm gonna call it some magic bullshit though. Uh, oh, get to work. Garrett will uh pull out his green axe and kind of start using it to sift through bits. As he makes his way around. All right. I'd like the three of you to roll a collaborative investigation check with your perception, please. Surprisingly, I have a very good investigation. Tragically, I have absolutely no perception still, but I have five investigation. I'm going to take a plus two in lieu of rolling and spend three temp strain to make that a five. Um, you know, 
I think um, while she's investigating all of this, this would just call back a lot of memories of like previous digs and investigations and things like that, and trigger her motivation her of uh, her best friend Keelan, who she used to work with on a regular basis during college. Just good, positive human memories for once. Trying to trigger that motivation for a plus three. Sure. Bring that up to a nice eight. I have a five on top of that. Nice. An eight, a five, and a six from Toby. So with Garrett being at a five and Toby being at a six, your overall result for the collaborative check is only going to be a plus one. So a total of nine. Nice. So why don't each of you give me a narration, a short narration of what you're doing to comb through the wreckage? Well, uh, from Lucy and Toby, Garrett's already said what, he did, what, he, uh, what he's doing. So uh, I think Lucy would specifically go for any like sections that look like there might have been some stuff buried or things that are poking out of the ground. And um, I think she would be actually kind of abusing the fact that she has Baleful Starlight here to burn away any like dust or like get a better view of things. Make it a shitty magic flashlight. Trying to get a better sense of where things might be. Look for weird reflections or black things in the dirt. I, f- I feel like Toby would be looking for fairly large uh, pieces of, of debris and uh, basically hopping more or less uh, up or down uh, a level in the mine where it's the concentric rings of, uh, of, of a platform, essentially. Uh, to get to them, and since he's transformed, uh, he's feeling quite strong and uh, looking for the larger pieces of debris to move to look for the the fairly small flight data recorder and cockpit voice recorder. All right. Lucy, as you are poking around some of the larger pieces of wreckage, you come across the cockpit of the plane. It is surprisingly intact, given how fast the plane must have been going to crater into the side of this pit. It is, however, still quite mangled. There is a lot of blood here and several corpses. You recognize the bright white uniforms as the pilots. Mm -hmm. They have mostly been torn to shreds, mostly due to the uh, sheer force of the impact and the fact that they were still strapped into their seats. What's your wariness at? (laughs) Uh, Wariness is four, but vigilance is zero. So something about this whole situation leaps out at you as weird and strange. Like, in the process of conducting your investigation, you look around the cockpit or what's left of it and come to notice a few things. There appear to be footprints leading away from this place and into the forest, or at least what looks to be the forest and open clearings that surround this mine pit. Do they look like regular like person walking, or do they look like the shambling shuffle? Yes, yes, they do actually look like someone with a regular gait, and there's two pairs of them. And how many Orpheus agents were on this flight? Three. Huh. Second of all, you notice that the sheer amount of blood in the cockpit doesn't quite seem to match up with the state in which you found the pilots. And 
closer inspection reveals that where you can find like intact body parts or most of their torso or head, you find that they were already dead before the plane hit the dirt because someone shot them in the back of the head. Oh, shit. This was a hijacking before it was a crash. Huh. So they crashed it on purpose then? Or they're shitty pilots. The replacement pilots. You gotta Um, be a special kind of... Special kind of terrible to undo the autopilot and crash the plane. I mean, once you've done one, the second is a lot easier. So, to be clear, we don't see the Orpheus agent's bodies anywhere around here, correct? You were only informed that, yes, there were Orpheus agents aboard the plane, and yes, it crashed. We don't know where they are, and they haven't reported back, so we're presuming they're dead. You were given names and photographs of what they look like, but in all of this debris, smoke, and gore, you don't feel like you have a great chance of identifying them. Plus, if you really did want to identify them, it would take hours. Hours that you don't have. I am not checking every single person's uh, wallet in here. Some of them might not even have wallets anymore because of fire. Yep. The ones that still have heads are losing them because better safe than sorry. Uh, Lucy, you hear footsteps behind you and as you turn around, you see that it's Carla. She is carrying a pretty high-powered flashlight and sort of looking around the cockpit. She lets out a low whistle and goes, well, what happened in here? Well, it looks like somebody murdered the shit out of the pilots before the plane crashed. She raises an eyebrow and goes, well, I did hear the reports that this was a hijacking. I mean, it was in the briefing that the the plane was hijacked before it hit the ground. Yeah. Was Now, my question is, was the hijacking done with the intention of crashing the plane, or are they just screw-ups? Well, I mean, that's what we're here to find out, right? Yep. Discover the truth and talk shit the whole time. <laughs> so what we should be looking for here is the cockpit voice recorder. That's one of the uh, quote-unquote black boxes of the plane. It's basically a device that records all the conversation that happens within the cockpit between uh, the pilot, the co-pilot, the first officer, and any other conversations that happen within the cockpit. And it should be... She pans her flashlight over to one section of the floor. Right here, I think. She goes over to it, pulls a crowbar from her pack, and sort of jams it into one part of this floor panel, pries it open, and finds a bright orange device. Looks kind of weird. It is about a a slightly smaller than head-sized bright orange box. It's painted so you can't fucking miss it, huh? Yes, and most modern cockpit voice recorders and flight data recorders are also sealed in hermetically sealed containers that are waterproof and impact-resistant to a degree. So in the event that a plane crashes into the ocean, we'll still be able to find them. And the data inside will be, for the most part, mostly untouched. Does it take a lot of work to get the data out of it? In uh, years before this, yes. Nowadays, not so much, but it's still a hassle to find the recorders and pull data off of them. But we have to do this for the sake of all these people that died not knowing what happened and uh, to help the the families of the victims find closure. Mm -hmm. And to figure out what the hell happened here. I wasn't given too many details, but from what I gathered from the briefing, the agents on board the plane didn't really report back to their handler before the plane crashed. It, it must have been like a whirlwind of activity. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough, buddy. I hope that the others have some success in finding what they're looking for, too. So yeah, if you're looking for a unit kind of like this, and she pulls up the box so that the uh, three of you can see it, 
bright orange. You can't miss it. And it'll say like, the, it'll have the word stencil on the side, flight data recorder. And it is at this point that, Garrett, your phone rings. Hello. You hear the voice in your, on the other end as JP, your handler. And he says, hello, this is Garrett, yes? Hey, Jay, what's going on? Oh, you would not believe the phone calls I just had. As a group of you wouldn't be at the crash site now, would you? We are right there. We just got one of the black boxes. Oh, you just missed them. Look, um, a bit of a mission update. I just received word from the two Orpheus agents that were on board the flight. They survived somehow. Okay, we did see, uh, we did find tracks of two people leaving the site. Then you can reasonably assume that that was them. They are on the way back to the hospital now. I have called for some Russian soldiers to meet them on the way. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's good. I just We can at least update the mission, though, that uh, we have found the survivors of the plane crash. It's uh, unfortunate, but uh, we can confirm that Dr. Rubinov was indeed killed during the plane crash. And uh, hopefully the testimony will shed some light on this case. Uh, have you found anything new at the crash site? Um, well, the uh, pilots were executed prior to the prior, uh, prior to the crash. I just say single bullet wound to the back of the head. Yeah, it is a single bullet wound to the back of the head. Yeah, single bullet wound each. That fits with what we were told that the plane was hijacked before the crash. Good to know, at least, that the reports can be confirmed in the regard. Anything else? Have you found any of the data recorders? Uh, we found one, and we have to find the flight data next. We found the voice recorder. Right. Well, keep your eyes on the swivel. We have reports from... We have some scattered reports from the locals, some other survivors, and our plane crash survivors that... You might not be alone. Some of our scouts report that several helicopters landed in a forest to the north of you, unmarked, and they are certainly not ours. All right, we'll, we'll keep our heads on swivels. Please do. Report back to me once you have found both, once you have found the flight data recorder, and come back to the hospital post-haste. Will do. Do we have a radio to, our, uh, uh, to the cordon? Yeah, you do. All right. I'll get on to... Hey, uh, be advised. We just got information. Uh, we just got intelligence that uh, at some point, uh, unmarked helicopters dropped off people to the north. So we're not alone out here. You hear Kristoff. You you hear nothing for a brief moment, and then Kristoff comes over the radio and says, "Duh, Roger that. We will keep our eyes open." All right. If the reports are accurate, then we should expect company coming from the forest to the north of here. We will see them coming across the clearing. And uh, our two survivors have been accounted for, the two that we were looking for. So uh, just be ready because pretty much anything you find is probably going to be unfriendly. So don't feel the need to restrain yourself. Duh, I, I will let my men know. Carla sort of gives you a look of incredulous shock and says, wait, they survived? Apparently. Thank you, bastard. Oh, uh, you know, weird Orpheus powers. Yeah, well, I want to talk to those two once we get back to the hospital. Definitely. I want to figure out what exactly happened. It'll help me build this case in my in my head. And JP, it sounds like he's about ready to well, bust a vein for one, but uh, he's anxious to get information out of them as well. Well, let's hope their journey back to the hospital remains, well, safe. In the meantime, though, we need to find that data recorder. Uh, 
you can't just sit around here and do nothing. Like where on a plane is the recorder usually set? It's usually set somewhere in the fuselage in the cargo compartment, which means it might be further down that way. And she points her flashlight down towards the rear, supposed rear of the plane. It's probably in the hole, isn't it? It might be, it might not be. We'd have to scour the wreckage to find out. And normally there would be at least two dozen people here helping with the, with the search. But for now, it's just the four of us. So we're going to have to, we're, gonna, we're really going to have to roll up our sleeves on this one. Really don't want to go in the hole. Yeah. It's pretty deep. That is going to take all day. Well, we're, we don't have all day. So let's split up again. Let's get to work. All right. As the four of you split up again to scour the wreckage of the plane, there pass several minutes, hours. You can't really tell how long it's been since you last checked in, but time seems to slow here as you are poking through corpses, bits and pieces of plane, avoiding the fires that rage still throughout the crash site, looking for that little bright orange box amongst a tableau of ash and dirt, blood and wrecked and ruined luggage and furniture. You don't know how long passes. You're not quite sure how long it's been since you split up from the cockpit, but eventually you hear Carla somewhere in the distance go, Found it! Thank fuck. Ugh. And I would like to know where the three of you are in terms of this great big mining pit i'd say garrett is probably around like bottom middle left i think lucy would be relatively high up like upper upper right like about as high up vertically as you can get Ruby would probably be somewhere um upper right quadrant like where the the main of the wreck is but down um down from it quite not quite a bit, like towards the bottom, bottom, but probably a good maybe eight stories below, having been going uh, basically up and down around the wreckage whilst looking for the flight data recorder, uh, like in a back and forth uh, pattern, searching the, uh, the, the wreckage. Okay, so yeah, Toby, you hear Carla's voice several stories above you, kind of echoing down the pit. Garrett and Lucy, you hear her voice faintly over the crackling fires around you. And as the three of you try to sort of zero in on her voice, you find her kind of halfway down the slope, not fully in the pit, in the pit but she's a sort of speck that you can see is holding up an orange speck. Oh, gosh. And she uh, yells up at the both of you, Garrett and Lucy, and says... All right, now we just need to get out of here. Um, I'll meet you guys back up at the cockpit, and then we can we can leave. Yeah, let's let's get going quickly. Takes you a good amount of time to regroup at the cockpit, and by the time the three, the four of you come together, Carla is just panting. Her brow is soaked in sweat. She's you all right. It's a bit of a climb, I'll tell you that. Oh, I wish I had your friend's legs here. And she jerks her head at Toby. We all do, lucky bastard. It doesn't help that there's so much fire everywhere. It's so hot. Ugh. Yeah. I was going to go on a sun trip after this, thinking it was going to be a really icy, cold trip. But nope, nope, that's enough. That's enough heat. I'm done. Here it shows us. Do you want to ride back? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not that tired, Garrett. All right. 
I'm not that tired, but I am that lazy. <laughs> Let's get moving. Want to make sure we don't get caught. Let's get moving. Carol, get on the radio. Radio says, "All right, found the boxes. Let's rendezvous and head home." Kristoff radios back, saying, "Stay in the wreckage. Do not move." Ah, shit. Contacts. Yes, emerging from the tree line. They haven't spotted us yet, but they are heavily armed. How many? A lot more than we can deal with. I'm telling my men to fall back to the crash site. Hold, where are you? We're at the fuselage. Fuselage does not narrow it down. Big main part. The main body of the plane. Okay. I will tell my men to center themselves in your location. Stay there for now. I will attempt to recon what these people look like. They are heavily armed, appear to be paramilitaries of some kinds, but I don't know how many they are until I get a closer look. Stay down, stay hidden. Wait for my signal. Be careful. I will. A couple moments pass and you hear and then see these three Russian soldiers joining you in the fuselage now that you've moved away from the cockpit. Essentially, this area here is a small clearing in the side of the pit, basically where the crater has been dug with the sheer amount of force of the plane crash. There is wreckage strewn everywhere. There are remnants of some chairs embedded in the dirt, blood and jet fuel mixing on the floor. Some parts of the fuselage still remain intact, like the big curved walls of this uh, airliner. It forms a pretty grisly scene surrounded with, surrounded by smoke and dust from the dirt. The three soldiers set up a sort of semicircle of protection facing outwards. And a few moments later, Kristoff radios back saying, There must be 20, no, 30 at least, heavily armed. American weapons. These must be the mercenaries that JP was talking about. Black Steel, they were called, yes? Sounds about right. JP did say from the briefing that they were the ones who hijacked the plane. This must be the response force looking for whatever it was they were after in the plane. Most likely the virus sample that Dr. Rubinov was carrying. If not him, then they must be looking for another sample that they can take. They will be on us in a few minutes, and we do not have anywhere to turn. And then you just need to make a break for it at some point. That is what I'm thinking, yes. But we will need some sort of distraction. Here just grins. You say distraction? Well, you have just been paired with the best team organized purely for distraction. <laughs> Here it gets the satchel with the, with the C4 and the detonator out. Oh, no. You know, Garrett, how much of a bumpy ride do you mind? Well, it uh, can't be worse than... Well, getting shot in the gut, so I'm up for anything. We can go on a uh, magical journey, any number of us. I can't take all of us, but that over half this group I could take. We could uh, make a big distraction, drop a bank behind us, and then dip. How does that sound? That sounds like fun. Fucking I'm probably going to regret this later, but let's do it now. Let's do it before I regret it. <laughs> all right, what's the plan? Well, my plan consisted of... Chucking the C4 in the hole and hoping when it explodes, something flammable catches. Oh dear. A little bit of a gamble, but they will be distracted by the explosion. Sounds good. Alright, that mine is basically one giant rocky megaphone. Honestly, if I could get close to them, I could cause another kind of distraction from right in the middle. A little bit risky, but could be fun, right? Could, could be fun as long as they don't, you know, fill you full of holes first. 
I could sneak in while the explosion's going off. That is possible. Toby? With with the sheer number of uh sheer number of them, uh it would need to be both and then some, probably. And we could distract them, go full shock and awe. Honestly. You got your earplugs? Of course. Good man. So you caused the explosion. Tell me the plan. What is the plan? I think it starts with Garrett lighting up the C4 and hoping for a much bigger explosion than we deserve. Lucy uses impossible geometries just to get stealth in close while that explosion's going off. Close enough to let loose a Song of the Destroyer and then warp the fuck out of there. And uh, hopefully afterwards, if needed, we have some uh, physicality that we could throw around in there. Then while they're reeling, everybody runs. Yep. Carla looks at the satchel of C4 in your hand and then looks up at you, Garrett, as if to say you're crazy. Says, are you sure this will work? Right, this <laughs> is probably the second dumbest thing I've done in the last six months. What was the first? That would probably have to be throwing a grenade in close proximity on an oil rig. I don't want to know. It was a fun time. You had to be there. You really did. I'm glad I wasn't. Carla just sort of rolls her eyes and goes, well, keep safe, all right? Yep. Make no promises. All right, now, Garrett, I would like you to roll a stealth check with your dexterity, please. Oh, boy. I'm going to go ahead and spend three physical strain to make that seven, to make it a seven. Oh, sorry, eight. That's an eight. All right. Moving under the cover of the plumes of black smoke, Using the low visibility to your advantage, you move towards the location you intend to set your explosives at, which uh, out of character would be where? Uh, probably it's close to the uh, the mouth of the mine, probably like on an engine or something that looks like it's fuel soaked. You scan the wreckage as you're moving, trying to figure out where the best place to set your explosive would be, and you find part of an engine that is located near the lip of the slope, as it were, sort of perched rather precariously on it, and you shove the block of C4 underneath this part of wreckage. You click the switch on, watch the red light turn on, and it's armed. Now what? Eric's going to get on the radio. Say, okay, plan is in motion. When you hear the signal, and you will hear it, run. And maybe cover your ears. Christoph says, Roger that. We will make sure we move fast once your distraction takes effect. Lucy, how are we doing? Good, just prepping my mind, getting ready to move. A boring rule thing that I have to do is I have to neutralize an enigma because otherwise I might go crazy and fuck this up. Garrett, you make your way back to the rest of the... To the to, you make your way back to the group. And at, uh, it is at this point that Christoph Raiders back and says, they are, rough, they are roughly 15 seconds from the crash site. They are moving fast, but not too fast. I do not see any ground vehicles or armor. It is just foot soldiers right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Let's do this. All right. Five, four, three, two, click, click. There is a loud, booming explosion. You can feel the earth shake underneath your feet as the C4 charge detonates. 
sending a cloud of dirt and smoke into the sky. I love my job. As well as sending parts of the wreckage cascading down into the pit below. A miniature landslide erupts as the dirt loosened by the concussive force of the explosion starts to fall downwards, taking pieces of the plane with it. And you hear from maybe about a couple of yards away or slightly further, the sounds of shouting as the explosion goes off, followed by the sounds of people readying arms, as well as people shouting interrogatives, confused and wary confirmations, and someone yelling at someone else to go and investigate the explosion. Lucy. Showtime. Do it. So Lucy rolls up her sleeve, casts her knife across her Ouroboros tattoo, which lights the fuck up, and she melts it into the scenery around her as she activates impossible geometries. So um, I have to roll a quick sanity check to make sure she doesn't have to go crazy here. And um, now for the hardest roll of the game, I assume, which is going to be her stealth roll, trying to get up close and personal. Yep, stealth check with dexterity, please. Luckily, because of uh, impossible geometries, it's a base of four. Got a natural plus two. Gonna put three temp strain in for my rank five stealth in to make that a nine. And um, there's one thought and one thought only coursing through Lucy's head at this point, which is, I'm getting through this. I'm fucking retiring. Coincidentally, that's one of her motivations. Word for word. So that's a total of a 12 on this. So her goal is just to get as close to the middle as she can, cause as much chaos, and then warp out. You are like a shadow darting through the forest. You slip into the space between spaces and slither your way towards where you kind of guess the largest concentration of soldiers will be. And as you leave your hiding space, you can see that these paramilitaries, they look very professional. Their armor is mostly black. There are no identifying patches, no name tags, no country patches. They are all heavily armed with assault rifles. Some of them have machine guns. And it appears that most of their attention is diverted towards the source of the explosion, while some of them are setting up a perimeter around the crash site, perhaps to secure it. Nearby, hidden in a bush, is Kristoff. You don't quite see all of him, but you can tell where he is by way of the boots that stick ever so slightly out of the back of a bush and the barrel of a rifle on the other end of the bush. Hopefully he's wearing his earplugs for this. You slip and slide your way into this mass of soldiers. And the closer you get to them, the more that you can tell that these are Americans. They are all speaking English, barking at each other in English. Some of them have very recognizable accents, like Texan accents. Some of them are New Yorkers. It it runs the gamut. But you are very, very confident that these are Black Steel mercenaries. Even though you've never really seen them before, you've read the reports. You know how they operate and kind of what they look like. You are now within this mass of soldiers in the liminal space, just waiting for your cue. And I think, I think honestly, she's not waiting for something specific here. Just the moment that they look the most like they're about to get their shit together when it would be the most inconvenient for them to get orally nuked from within. And just as they're getting it together, just as they're starting to pull it together, I think she'd let the scales of reality come back on her and start belting some beautiful Bonnie Tyler, 
total eclipse of the heart. What am I rolling against? All right. So she's going to be using rank two. It's stability or discipline versus my knowledge eldritch. Let's see what I get here. Ooh, okay. Um, got a plus two on the dice. Putting in the three temp strain from knowledge eldritch. And uh, would it be a bit much? Eh, that last motivation doesn't apply well. It'll be a 10. Okay, so all of them fail. Oh, God. Oh, no. Or should I say, oh, yes. The poor bastards. So they're taking sanity damage equal to three times your willpower. Which is 15. They can buy it down. Which they will. I do have B as well, Mastery B, which makes them all heavily dazed, too. Here's what happens. You blip back into existence in the center of this congregation of soldiers. And before any of them can really register that, hey, there's a weird lady among us, you open your mouth and belt this iconic 80s power ballad with eldritch power coursing through your veins and amplifying your voice beyond normal volume. You can immediately tell that all of the soldiers in your immediate vicinity and it's basically within arm's reach of you they are all instantly just bleeding from the ears the nose the eyes as they fall down writhing in pain the further away they get the soldiers are from you though they are reduced to covering their ears they're screaming bleeding some of them are on a knee some of them are on the floor but you otherwise affect all of them in this way. As you, as you sort of finish up your song, a quick glance around the area tells you that some of the soldiers on the fringes of this group were the least affected. They are still coming off of being heavily stunned. So they're sort of looking around, kind of unable to grab their guns and effectively level them at you and fire for fear of either hitting some of their people within... Because, they're all, because you're in the center of them. And if they shoot at you, they might just hit some of their teammates. Honestly, you're just kind of hoping that they would open fire. And while they're mentally addled, they know enough to not try and shoot you down while their friends are around them. Though these are the guys in the fringes, anyway. As soon as she finishes her solo, she'd pause for a moment, waiting to see if any of them open fire, begging that they would open fire. But given that they don't seem to be, she'd peace sign and peace out, spending her... Uh, to Enigma to grab a cast of Impossible Geometry 3 and dipping the fuck out. Nice. As you sign out and leave and reappear where the rest of the gang are hiding, you start to hear the shouting of people being replaced by gunfire. And you hear Kristoff in your radio going, Whatever it is, it seems to be working. I'm opening fire. The, uh, the group of you need to escape now, while the enemy are dazed and reeling. Just don't forget to vacate yourself. I will be right behind you. Let's leave the Russian to his work. Sounds good. Over the sound of gunfire and bullets pinging across the sky, the four of you follow the three Russian soldiers out of the flaming wreckage. Garrett... And Toby, as you are leaving this area, you can actually see the destruction that Lucy wrought on this group of soldiers. Gary, you can also see just how much damage your explosive did. 
a sizable chunk of the slope is now just a concave surface. All of the wreckage that was on that lip of the slope is now somewhere down at the bottom of the pit. There are soldiers bleeding, dying, writhing, unconscious, having seizures. And some of the ones that didn't get the full brunt of Lucy's deadly song are starting to regain their senses and returning fire on Kristoff's position, who you don't see so much as you sense the presence of the burly Russian firing his rifle out at these guys from somewhere in the tree line. Lucy, remind me that karaoke is off the table for team building exercises. It's not my fault it's such a tough crowd. I think they just don't have good taste. Damned Americans. You're still within the you're still kind of within the crash site though, but by the time you reach the edge of the crash site, the smoke from the fires still wreathing your position, you pretty much can see the path that you came in on, leading back to the tarmac of the road that leads back into the city. Hey, what's everyone's vigilance at? Oh god. Zero. As usual. Two. My vigilance is a three. So, Toby, you smell more than hear or see something approaching. It smells like cordite. smells like fire, rusted metal, maybe. Can't quite tell. And through a plume of smoke coming from the tail of the plane, you see one of the Russian soldiers sort of duck behind this fallen piece of plane and disappears into this plume of smoke for a moment. And then he comes flying right back out towards the three of you as you see a large hand poke through the smoke, following through the motion of throwing this guy all the way back towards you. He lands in a heap, tumbling to a slow stop at your feet, Garrett. And you can see that although... Shaken, the guy is still very much alive. He is slowly struggling to his feet as through the smoke, all of you see a figure approach. It looks like a man, a woman, something. Whatever it is, it's, it is big. Bigger than either of you when you're in your beast form. It towers over all of you. And this figure is clad in... An army uniform, but not just any old army uniform. It looks old. Definitely old, older than modern day. Garrett is going to step between uh, the soldier and the giant soldier and try and make very subtle get-up-move motions with his hand from behind his back. The fuck is this Godzilla shit here? The man stands roughly 10, maybe 11, no, 12 feet tall, clad in an old dirty uniform with a cap on his head and a gas mask over his face. The lenses of the gas mask are so tinted and smoky, you can't see anything. The gas mask itself is connected to a pack that the man carries. And on and in one of his hands is big, beefy, gloved mitts. You see a trench club. It is big, far bigger than any club you've ever seen. And it is wrapped in rusted barbed wire and he points at you and just roars muffled by the gas mask on his face roll initiative this has been applied materials thank you very much for listening and thank you to rich for playing toby bork 
Darby for playing Lucy Mercury, Six for playing Garrett Hardy. Do follow the show at Applied Mats on Twitter to keep up with the podcast, and I will see you in the next episode. Good night. Next time on Lost Sheep. The dog walkers and their Russian comrades continue their descent into the mining pit with gunfire nipping at their heels. But the hulking soldier is not yet finished with its prey, prompting one of the team to make a startling revelation.